Today we are kind of beginning a preview of what we will be uh, looking at during the season of Lent. Uh, Lent is an interesting season. Uh, it is a season that the early church decided would be good reminders for us of our humanity. And, uh, and not that humanity is all bad, but it's always good to have a reminder that from dust we came to dust we shall return. That, that it's a good season to begin to um, wrestle with that as human beings, sometimes we struggle. That uh, we wrestle with sin. That uh, we haven't had everything completed in our life. That there's still room for God to shape and grow things in us. Don't believe me? Then just try what, uh, what a lot of people do in Lent. They fast. You don't think you still have more to grow? Just go without food for a couple of days. See how your attitude is. <laughs> it, it's, it's one of those things that uh, we just move in this rhythm. And so it's a, it's a real balance, and it's, got, it's gone to one extreme and the other uh, in, in times recently and in the past, where it's really all about what wretched human beings we are. It was never intended to be that. It was just intended to help us understand our humanity and get back in touch with that. And, and it's gone to the point of where we just don't, we just throw out the baby with the bathwater. We don't do that. We just work our way and we get to Easter Sunday and the, and uh, the resurrection and everything's good. But it is a journey, a human journey. Kind of like we are the disciples journeying with Jesus all the way to the cross. And then, yes, on into the joy of Resurrection Sunday at Easter. And so, we're just going to be taking a preview today, uh, a little bit about that, about the themes that we're going into for the season of Lent. Uh, but we, we're going to preview today. You'll have a break with Owen and Hope uh, next next Sunday, and then we'll, we'll have Ash Wednesday, and then go right on into our Lenten season. It's going to be an exciting time. I hope you'll plan to make it a part of your season that you'll enter into it with the readings that we will do, the daily readings that you will have, that you will take home, the family exercises that will be available next Sunday. It's going to be an exciting time. But let's continue our story from the last two weeks. And so I invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 3. However it is that you get your Bible, whether it's electronically or you have uh, the paper copies, uh, or you can grab one out of the pew in front of you. It's going to be right at the very beginning, probably page two or three, and uh, just look for the giant number three, and that's where we're going to start. It's not on the screen today. Uh, if you don't want to look at it or whatever, just listen to me read it and enter into the story. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Yahweh God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of, guard, of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. 
Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of, the, of Yahweh Elohim as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put me here with, she gave me fruit from it and I ate it. Then the Lord said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and wild animals. You'll crawl on your belly and you'll eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor you will give birth to your children. To desire, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, to dust you shall return. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden a cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Let's pray. Father, this ancient story can be difficult for us. So I pray that your Spirit would come and speak and help us. For we ask this in your name. Amen. How many of you have seen the movie Star Wars? More than ten times. I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you've seen it, if you've seen it once, that's good. That's good enough. How many of you have seen the whole trilogy? Okay. Alright, good. And I'm, I'm talking about the good trilogy, you know. Uh, four, five, and six. The original ones from the 70s. Okay, yeah. Okay, good. Now, there's something that you should have known. I mean, we, we kind of should have got it, because we were all, all surprised. If you haven't, and you think that you're going to see The Empire Strikes Back, just a spoiler alert, a spoiler alert put your uh, fingers in your ears, Darth Vader is, is Luke's father. Okay? It's impossible! I know. Now, yeah, exactly. There you go. And maybe we should have gotten a hint, because Darth sounds like dark, and Vader is... German for father. Maybe we should have caught on to this. I mean, it's like we should have seen it coming, but it shocked us all, right? I mean, I know I was about Jackson's age when I first saw that movie, and uh, and, and it shocked me. Oh, no, you know, this couldn't be. But, I, you know, you look back, and, and there are lots of clues that you, you should have seen it coming. 
And so when we approach this story, there's some things along those lines that should help us see something coming. I mean, we are on this side of the story, right? This is something we're looking back at. And so there, there's some things that maybe we should not be surprised about. But let's, let's reset the map, shall we? Let's, let's reset the story. Let's look at, uh, at this story together. So we ended the story last week. We have seen in, over the last two weeks this God who has cosmic vision and this God who sets everything in order and says it's wonderful and His crowning achievement is to create an image, a zellum that is mobile and looks around and we see that God is the God who opens up space for life to flourish. And the the goal of the man and the woman in chapter 1 is to be that representative, that in the world, in the cosmos that God has created, they are to be life space makers. Open up space for life. They are to care for the earth and the animals and one another, all those things. Last week we saw it a little more personal, that God creates a garden and, and God places these two in here. And we see that there are these deep connections that we have as human beings. Because we are made out of the soil, we have a deep connection to the earth. We are earthlings and we are called to, to take care of the earth. Uh, we have a deep connection to all living things. Remember all the animals passed through and were named by, by the, the man that God had created, the human that God had created, sorry. And, uh, and then God, God takes a side of the human and brings that to him and makes a woman. And they are deeply connected for out of one comes the other. And it's just this beautiful, deep connection that is there. And then, uh, ultimately and most importantly, we are connected to Yahweh Elohim, God, who created everything and gave everything as a gift. Our very breath is His name, Yah. We have this deep, intimate connection. And so, as far as we know, this garden is beautiful, and God has given some commands, and there's this. But we begin to see in this story that... uh, Oh, I forgot, there's, there's a little bit more. We see that the man and woman are without possessions. That, that word in there is naked, and we kind of take that in a different way. I'm trying to remember, it's Family Sunday. But, uh, uh, but they, for them, it was really that they did not have any possessions, and they did not need any possessions. What they needed were their connections. They were without possessions, but they are rich with that connection to God, that connection to all living things, and especially to one another, and that deep connection to the earth. They had all that they need. They lived in trust that God will continue to give them everything they need. Breath. Food from the earth. And companionship with each other. That's the beauty of the, of chapter two. But of course, snakes happen. You just knew it. It had to get there, right? I mean, uh, how boring would a story be if, if there was some created and then, uh, you know, they just lived happily for all their days. <laughs> uh, we don't tend to listen to the story. So we know that something's messed up. And we know because we're on this side that, that something went wrong somewhere. And so we have this serpent and we, we've heard our story and we see all that goes on within this story. But the serpent asks, I want to kind of translate a little bit of what the serpent asks. Basically, the serpent's question asks this of Eve. Are you really sure that you can trust? 
Are, are you sure that you can trust completely God? I, I love what Dr. Kelly says. He's an Old Testament scholar at Point Loma. That the serpent's first words to the human couple raise the primary question with which God's people will struggle throughout their entire story. The entire Bible will be about this struggle. Can God really be trusted to provide His image-bearing people with the survival, security, and abundant life that they need? Can human beings safely and trustingly surrender control over their own lives to the direction and provision of this Creator? That is, that is all wrapped up in what these seem like these harmless questions that the serpent begins with. Man, the man and woman respond by their action. This is, in essence, what they are saying. We will determine our own good and evil. We will ensure our own survival and provision. What we see is disobedience that's drawn out of a distrust in the God who created everything. Now, I know, I I highlighted those words there, uh, determining good and evil. We have the, the big word that usually comes out of this is disobeyed. They disobeyed. And we focus a lot on the disobeying. And we should focus on the disobeying. That is a part of what went wrong here in the garden. But it's also ensuring, we said we are going to take into our own hands our own need for survival and provision. And this one's a little more subtle for us. Because now we think that that is one of the ultimate goods, don't we? You see how sometimes disobedience can lead to these subtle changes and can even be in there. They were called to live in the deep connection that God would provide for everything, all of their needs. And when they took the fruit, yes, they disobeyed. But this disobedience is drawn out of this deep distrust in God that the serpent awakes. So we begin to see Of course, the result is their eyes are open, the story tells us, the scriptures tell us. But we don't, they don't get right and wrong correct. They they miss the mark all the time. They are, yes, they think they can determine right and wrong, but they don't get right and wrong correct. They make a mistake all the way along. In all of these things, they make a mistake about humans. We can't trust each other. We've got to cover up. We've got to shy away, start blaming, doing all of these kinds of things. Oh, they think they can tell right and wrong. Oh, they get it wrong all the time. Then about possessions. Remember, they have to clothe themselves. And they, and they choose fig leaves. And fig leaves are itchy. And they wither. Not a good clo- They get that wrong. They also get wrong that that's what they need. That I've got to have more possessions and more possessions and more possessions will begin to define that I'm secure and I'm taking care of my security and my provision. I've got to keep doing that. And then ultimately, they're wrong about God. And they hide in the garden. (laughs) I mean, think about that. I mean, that's about as silly as our kids hiding in their own bed, right? I mean, we're talking about the God who created everything, right? I'm going to hide from God? Can Is that even possible? They hide in the garden. So what do we see? I love what uh, Dr. Golden Gay says. It is the moment. 
This right here that we've read, it is the moment when fear enters into the relationship between humanity and God. And there is a right kind of fear in that relationship. The difference between us as humans and God makes fear in the sense of awed reverence an appropriate aspect of our relationship with God. I love this, but we were never supposed to be afraid of the one who wants to go for a walk with us. We know now that something is broken. Something is off. And so, we begin to see this connection morph and turn into curse. Now, before we start looking at a curse, I want you to to see something. Only the snake is cursed. And the ground, but of the living beings, only the snake is cursed. Okay? The other punishments are consequences and description. Okay? I want you to know that. Uh, I think that's an important distinction. That we see the, the snake is cursed. We'll look at that in just a second. He says you've got to crawl on, your ground and, uh, crawl on the ground on your belly. Um, you know, some people think, uh, again, this is not science. Uh, this is theology. But you know, maybe the snakes had legs at one point. I, I don't know. And, and now they don't. Um, but the other things that, that, God, that Yahweh mentions, they are punishments and consequences for what has taken place. Uh, again, I love what, what Dr. Golden Gay says. The Bible is tough-minded in the ways that it thinks of God and God's sovereignty. So maybe God is both saying what will happen and making it happen. On the other hand, it is striking that God does not say, I curse you, woman, or I curse you, man. And it is typically it is typical of the Bible to be more ready to talk about God's blessing than about God's cursing. But let's look at this. The connections begin to change. Those deep connections. You have to the soil and the earth, now weeds and thorns will mix in. And it's by the sweat of the brow that the living will be made. To living things, snake and humanity are now at odds with one another. Pretty drastically and pretty violently. And eventually that begins to morph out into all living creatures. Um, And to each other. One gender will now attempt to rule the other gender. Now, I want to pause there. Uh, this is descriptive. This is not prescriptive. This is God saying, this is how things will go- come about now. This is what it will be. This is not God's intending that man will rule. Man should rule. Remember, the image that God created him in man is what ruling is, is someone who creates space for life to happen. But he's saying this is the way it will be. This is what will, will come out of what you have done. This, this disobedience of distrust. You'll begin to see that one gender will attempt to rule the other gender. And there will be desire and back and forth. And life will now be mixed with great pain. To bring forth children will, will be done in great pain. Can I get an amen from the women? Even with epidurals. Yeah. And then, guys, the, the work of provision will take great sweat and toil. Now, I know sometimes it may not feel like, or those, those of you who do manual labor may think that those who do desk job, that it's not sweat and toil, but there's a lot of stress and things that go into that. Are, are you tracking with me, folks? I, I mean, this, this is real life stuff, right? And, and this, is, this is all out of this distrust of a God who longed to give and longs to give everything. 
But I want you to see something good in this. It's interesting that God's connection is not taken away. This, this is interesting. He still gives the breath. The human beings are still... Isn't that interesting? It says something about the nature and character of God. Still good in the midst of this. Still asks, where are you? I'm ready for the walk. I'm ready for us to journey together. I'm ready to be in your presence. I'm ready for us to do this together. He goes on, God prepares proper clothes. But of course, the man and the woman begin to realize that death now is required for that provision, that security, that sacrifice, and prepares animal skin clothes. There is distance for sure, but God still gives the gift of breath that deep connection that he longs to have with human beings. And the man and the woman are out of the garden. This is is tough, isn't it? This is the consequence. Now, we should have seen this coming, right? I mean, we're on this side and you all live in the real world, don't you? We know that the world is a broken place. We know that, that, uh, there are, there is sin in the world that causes damage to people, to nations, uh, all over. And we can't just look at just individual stuff. Individuals get together with more like-minded individuals and create places and systems and structures that also begin to promote that we've got to have the security. We've got to be in charge of our provision. We've got to determine what is right and wrong. This is the world we live in, right? We're, we're seeing today some of the reasons why that is the case. But there's one thing, and this is something interesting that I kind of discovered in my reading and studying. We should have seen it coming. Go back, go back to chapter 2, 8, verses 8 and 9. Just scroll back there for a little bit. I'm going to read this to you. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there He put the man He had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Skip down to verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to care for it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of, what? The knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. I found it interesting. There's no command about eating from the tree of life. There's none. But guess what? Guess what? Humanity chose that we would rather determine our right and wrong over having life. That's something that we still do today, isn't it? We should have seen it coming. We needed the story. Oh, it it, it engages us. It it teaches us. It shows us why things are broken. And I believe this is one of the reasons because we as human beings still, to this day, would rather have the ability to determine what is right and wrong than to receive life from the only one who truly can show us right and wrong. To enter back into a relationship where we trust the one who created all. 
we continue to try and do this on our own. We still do this. But the good news is, my brothers and sisters, God still longs to walk with you. God longs to walk with you and me this very day. And God is the one who sees inside of who we are. God sees your heart. God sees your motivations. God sees your loyalties. God sees your insecurities. God sees your struggles. And yes, God sees your sin. And yet still longs to walk with you. To offer your chance to you and to me. The chance to enter back into that trust walk. God, I'm going to receive not just my breath, but I'm going to receive everything from you. I'm going to place my trust for possessions in you. You're going to bring me what I need. I'm going to trust in you to, to provide the security that I need. I'm not going to get wrapped up in all the other things. I'm going to place my trust back in you. God still longs for us to eat from the tree of life. The tree of life that allows us to still live in a deep, trusting relationship with God. But will you eat the fruit? Will you take just a moment today? Will you say to God, I, I, I want to trust you. Now there's something else that, that we talk about in church circles that opens the relationship, and that is simply to confess where we are. Adam still had to say, here I am. I'm hiding from you. Because I saw that I was, I was naked. There's, there's part of us where we have to move into that type of intimate place where we begin to be honest with God about our insecurities, our struggles, our, our loyalties that are opposite to Him the things that we struggle with, to get real. That's why all through Lent we'll be talking about let's be honest. Let's be honest. It, it requires honesty. It requires, this is, the, this is the big word, are you ready? Confession. In the Greek, the conf- word confession is homologeo. It means to say the same. It just means that I have to be honest. I have to say the same about my struggles, my disloyalties, my mistrust, my sin. With a God who longs to go on walks, who provides for what we need, who gives us breath as gift every day of our lives. That's the God that I'm inviting you to and calling you to. Some of you might right now wish you could run and hide in a garden somewhere. And I'm asking you to take a moment, and it's okay to be honest with this God who longs to restore the relationship. Longed for it so much that he was willing to die on a cross to show us the love, to bring us back into relationship, to forgive and give us everything we need. For some of you, it might, might bring up tears. I want to give you some good news. The St. Ephraim, the Syrian, the Orthodox Church, he says, until you have wept, you don't know God. This... This weeping is is okay. It's a part of entering back into that. As you are confronted with the reality of who you are, God invites you to come. And there is a gift of tears that comes.
And, and when you're done with the tears of your weeping for your own things, you begin to look around and you begin to weep at the tears of what has happened in our world. How far it has gone. And God gives you a heart to go and to begin to change your schools, your families, your world. Pray that the God who longs to walk with you and talk with you, the God who longs to give you your breath, the God who longs to let you know you are completely secure no matter what goes on in the world, the God who longs to give you what you need. I pray that that God will go with you and keep you. I pray that that God would make His face to shine upon you. I pray that that God would give you peace and every blessing. In the name of the Father who is for you, in the name of the Son who is with you, and in the name of the Spirit who is in you. God bless you.